Why are you attempting to secure something? Why does this not work the way that I think it should? What it is that they need that can consume intelligence? You really need to know some programming language pretty well. Security is the feeling, right? Destructive power that has to your organization. This is Hack Chat, where red and blue teams unite. Welcome to Hat Track. My name is Marco Figueroa. Today, I have a person that needs no introduction. If you look him up on Google, you'll see him all day. <laughs> he is the man. To me, he is one of my best friends. It's the person that I go to that when I have a problem... And I want to understand something further and I want to resolve it. And I want a consigliere consigliere, a consultant. He's the person I go to. It's Chris Nickerson. Many people in the hacker community know him. I, I, I don't want to introduce you. Give all of your accolades, your love. It, 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 for me, there's not enough words that can describe this gentleman. Well, Chris, welcome. Go for it, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, you know, look, I'm, I'm nothing but uh, a, a worker bee with a shovel. That's at the end of the day. Um, I got lucky that I had great mentors that I was willing to have, uh, you know, the symbol thrown at me like Charlie Parker did and, uh, and people to tell me to try harder and do better. And I think I, I did everything that I could to try and contribute to the community at large, uh, to bring different types of attacks, um, out to, to kind of the, the sparring space of, of InfoSec. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's how we met. That's how we, we gained mm-hmm. community through, you know, going to conferences and sharing ideas and stuff like that. And, and I think, you know, from, from my career, uh, I got, I got blessed with some, some really hard jobs. I got blessed with being able to, you know, work at companies like Sprint when we were doing all sorts of crazy innovation. And I was with people that were so smart that I felt like I had to work all day and all night, just keep up with, you know, the, them being off them being not even, Mm. not even trying. They were so smart, right? Like I, I had to just, I had to just work. And then, you know, from there going to, to KPMG to learn about the audit world and how that world worked and how it was not my world. Um, and then also uh, looking at it from the other side, from consulting and ProServe and then starting, you know, Lars with Eric uh, 14 years ago in, in a time when in 2008, everything was bust and tech was kind of not the darling of the world. And we're like, yeah, we should start a pen testing company when most people didn't even know what the word was. Um, and at the same time, try and bring concepts that were a little bit more real world and more aggressive, like red teaming, where it was like, we would explain to someone, well, we're going to emulate the threat of a real actor. And people didn't even know what real actors were. They, di- they didn't have that context every day in their life or pop it up on their cell phone. It was, it was a new concept to them. And we are like, no, we have to go after this physically, socially, electronically. We have to blend all of it together because that's how people are going to attack you. They're going to attack you on the ground, on the feet. It's going to be every piece of that mixed martial art. And we tried to tried to bring that together. And, and I can say confidently, 
I'm probably not really good at any of them in comparison to you and other people that I've had the blessings of being able to learn from. Um, we've just had the latitude and the permission to be able to put some of that stuff together in a way that, you know, maybe people weren't used to those types of combos. And, um, and I, and I think that that's what we've tried to give back to the world is, is a hard work ethic that, that we could elevate everybody's position by just grinding it out and working harder and working in a way that we could feel out all of the edges so that we knew where the blind spots were so that once we got to a point of discomfort, it was it was something that was a little bit more familiar than shocking and that's and that's what i built i feel like my whole career around and what i i still look at today is those areas of the industry where it's uncomfortable a way that we can rise that level of comfort and feel good about it and feel actually okay and maybe you know security is the feeling right like maybe it's just feeling okay in times of despair instead of perfect and and that's the thing that gets you to progress and and that's that's what really drives me. It drives me when I wake up, drives me when I go to sleep. It drives me when I get to talk to, you know, my brother on the phone and, and we talk about everything. It, it, it's my passion. You're, you're so humble, by the way. I, I feel like you were the first company that was a red team security boutique to large companies. Right now, you're having a lot of competition or, you know, you were the first for me in that field, right? You did TED Talks. You're, in, in some ways, you're larger than life, right? In, in terms of you're so humble, but you are. And, and for me, I feel like there's so much knowledge for other people to really understand and get to how to build a company from no capital, right? No VCs, no real big VCs like backing you. Never had anything. Yeah. And, and for me, what, what I would say is how, how did you build your company from nothing to something to like everything? Uh, I mean, in all honesty, you know, hindsight's 2020 and probably clear. Um, we, wars pride on our shoulder uh we we set out with with a mission that we were going to do something different and we were unreasonable as in unable to be reasoned with or unable to form some type of excuse um so we were unreasonable in our pursuit of that we we just said doesn't matter doesn't matter if i die on the battlefield we're going to do it this way and we're not going to change and um the the industry will will catch up to where we're going to or we're going to say we gave it every single piece that we had. And I think that that is not the smart way to do it. It's not the easy way to do it. It's not the way you sleep at night. It's, it's all those things that I learned later on in life of how do you, how do you do a five round fight versus how do you do a one round fight? And, and to us, the five round fight was heart. It wasn't necessarily nutrition and training and, and all of the things that you really need for a five round fight. It was like, Yep. I'm just going to, I'm willing to die on it. And, and I think that some of those things in the beginning allowed us to be young and, and have some, some bravado that let us do some, some things that I, I, I wouldn't even attempt today. Um, but, but the fact that we were at the right place at the right time, I think we could break down some doors in the industry to open people's mind and acceptance. And, and again, to that piece of permission to be able to to go further and, and show that, you know, by stretching, by 
by pushing the limit, you could you could actually transcend. You could get to that next level of doing something that you don't even believe you could do, uh, and and being able to constantly put yourself in that situation almost becomes comfortable. And then the thing that you thought you couldn't do becomes a thing of the past. And now you're you're looking into the future of of stuff that's unimaginable. And yeah. and I think that that's that's really what that's what drove us every day. That's what drove us when I couldn't take a paycheck. That's what drove us when you know, an employee took a paycheck and I couldn't, or, or a bonus or, you know, whatever it was, it was, it was just relentless pursuit of something that we knew that the industry needed that we didn't, we didn't, I mean, I'm not a sales guy. I don't, I don't know how to do that stuff. I I just know how to, I know how to tell somebody that it's going to be a hard workout. And by the end of it, we're all going to feel better. And that might not be a great sales story. It might not be a good VC pitch. I'm sure somebody isn't going to give me $10 million on my five-minute slide deck that shows hyper growth. But at the end of the day, am I going to deliver on what I said? Yeah, or I'll die trying to do it. One of, one of the things that I love about you is you don't have to touch a keyboard. Like, you are high enough. I'm, I'm, I'm saying you're high enough at your company that you don't have to touch a keyboard but you still do and you still go ahead and do penetration tests you do red teaming you do everything what drives you first and the second thing is you don't have to do it why do you continue to do it i mean i don't know i think that that silly uh you know, Egyptian painting relief where it says like, you know, boss and leader. And then like the leader person is pulling and the boss is like whipping people. I know um, that. I just, I mean, as, as trite and kind of silly as that is, I, I, I personally have never gotten to that level where I don't feel like I got to pick up a shovel and dig. And like, mm. and there's just nothing, there's nothing about me that's ever put me in a position. Now, now I can, I can later in my life, right. Look at it and go, Oh, well, it's more cost efficient for the company to have me have somebody else dig because my time per hour is equal to this. And then I can create this and that amount of time. And this person can create this amount of time and do, and do the math. But there's something about growing up with, you know, having a construction worker and a hairdresser as a father that I just go, give me the shovel. I'm bound. Like, if you're tired, I got it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm feel good to be able to provide some backup, even though my version of backup is nothing close to the skill level of my team, which makes it even harder because I get older, my skills, you know, go, go backwards. I start to go, oh, you know, I, I second guess certain things. Maybe I'm not, you know, at this level where I'm, you know, even close to as technical as some of these other people. And in all honesty, look, my team smokes me up, down, left and right. But if I could give them a minute worth of breath, by giving everything that I have, and then that puts them back in the game, then awesome. Then, you know, like as a team, we're, we're going after that together. And I think that that's one of the things that drives me. I think there's, there's probably plenty of silly, you know, pride things that exist where I still, I still want to be able to contribute in a meaningful way that is not only on the ground, but also, you know, in the air and everywhere in between. And when they allow me to do that, it's a privilege and I have to step Mm. up to that privilege. Dude, I'm, I mean, I have a lot of respect, right? We're going to go into solo wins. Quick side note. How was it to to give a speech at a TED Talk? Because I know you gave it it, it, it. it has a lot of views. Yeah. A lot, a lot of views. 
what was the prep like when you gave it? What, how did it feel? What was that like? It's the first talk that I was ever nervous at in my entire life. Mm. The first one. Really? Um, yeah, I, I don't know why it's always been natural. I think that uh, the presentation style that I embodied when I first started was pretty different than most people because I approached talking at a conference because, because it's, you know, our, our conferences were like so niche and like, yeah, there wasn't, there, there was no one there. It was like, you're talking to six year homies that, but you, but you just happened to be like on a stage next to somebody. So I always just treated it like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much just like sitting at a table talking to the friends. And, um, I know that my presentation style was very shocking to certain people because I just said it exactly how I felt it. There was no like work filter, play filter. It was just exactly where I was at. And I had to first kind of like unlearn that. I had to unlearn like eight years of pu public speaking in my poor fashion to try and slam it into 15 minutes when I could just tell some random story and be able to create some energy through like, you know, breathing or tempo or cadence or, or, you know, words that are used, they're funny pictures or whatever else. And you kind of have to like homogenize that for the mass consumer. But at the same time, you have a platform to get a thing across. And if you get a thing across in one of those talks, and, and, and I know there's a whole school of thought of the people who, who have taught the education of these things and, and why that, you know, kind of small constrained time really brings out the best in certain things. But all I really wanted to do was bring up the topic that when people were using hacker as a pejorative, that was an emotional thing for me. Because mm -hmm. I always identified that was like a it was a sense of my identity. And now that doesn't mean I'm the most technical person like you run circles around me like most people do. But it was just a it was a way of thinking it was always this idea that my job is to see what something can do, not what it does. And that, and that, that transcends every single industry, every single mm. profession, there's hackers everywhere. And I felt like society and community narrowing in on hacker being this pejorative. And I was like, this is my, this is the one shot that I'm going to get to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. It's the one shot I'm going to have to say, I identify as this and that's, and that's who I am. And, and I'm proud of it. Dude. For me, what what do you think about what's going on right now with the SolarWinds hack, right? It's it's mind-boggling on what's going on, right? They announced that, you know, I guess it was in December where they officially announced they were compromised. You know, as a red teamer, what are you thinking about? What do you what are you thinking about as an attacker? And, and what's going on in the world today? Uh, to, to me, the solar winds attack is an elegant disaster. It's, it's, it's beauty in a dumpster. It's, it's just, there's certain piece of it as an attacker, you have to look at and appreciate. You have to appreciate how it happened, where it happened, the cadence of things, the, mm. the kind of spread, all of that stuff might look you know, really sophisticated or not sophisticated, depending on what, how big your rear view mirror is. Um, I think, I think that that's, it, it sounds great after the fact. Um, but when you look at it as an attacker, you say, wow, this is, you know, this is an op that maybe was planned that way, or maybe you just tripped into it. And it was this elegant piece of 
you know, d- divine luck. Um, it's just, it's, you're never going to know until you get to that one moment. And I, and I can't look at it any other way. Cause I've had those lucky moments so many times yeah. that I know for sure somebody took the context of me and the history of me pulling off certain, you know, things that may seem, uh, out of the ordinary. Well, you have and your show that shows you it, that, right. that those out of the ordinary things happen. Right. And, 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 but they're ordinary things. They're, they're like, they're extraordinary when you put them together, but they're super ordinary when you look at them in a vacuum. Yeah. And I, I feel, and this is, there's no technical anything behind this. I just feel as an attacker, um, there's maybe a likelihood of this same story that has a different narrative in which there's a well-prepared team. They have all sorts of stuff, right? Typical good red yeah. team, right? You have mad kit. You have all sorts of pocket stuff that you're going to use when the day comes that you could actually get mm-hmm. to the one spot that you were trying to get to. And you kind of have to let time do its work. Time has to erode things. You have to kind of watch and sit and wait for that moment. And that moment isn't always about just the, the I'm in a plan to make that moment happen. Sometimes it's being available and visible enough to see that the moment is there and mm. capture it. And, you know, may, maybe it's as silly as well, we have a whole supply chain attack built out. We have all the code. We have everything that we need. We have all the frameworks, all the C2s, everything set up. And magically an alert went off because somebody posted, you know, default FTP creds inside of a GitHub in the type of company that you wanted. And you yeah. were like, thank, thank you. That's a gift. Go. And, and one of the things that I always say as a, a, as a researcher, when you see like things like SolarWinds or anything like related in that aspect, you, you need to appreciate their skill set. Like you like, totally. my God, this is amazing. And not because, oh, it happened and it's a tragedy. It's like, do you understand what's going on and how it happened and what they did and the QA team that they have to pull right. it off? Like, it is, it is one of those things that... Most people don't have that good of a DevOps process for their product that is a funded thing by their customers. It is one of those things that you just take a step back and you'd be like, this is once in a lifetime. Like at this point to me, what has happened and what the reports that have come out, because researchers like myself were on the outside looking in. So every report that is released like sunspot or, you know, sunburst, you're looking at it, you're reading it, and you're saying, wow, this is something that that is special. Mm-hmm. And, and the ops behind it, where the patience is there, hey, we're, we're, we're on this for a while, right? It's, it's not like a red team engagement that's like one month you get your thing and you do your thing and it's over. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, it, it's one of those things that I would say for you, it's like, have you ever had an engagement that was like for two years that was like, it's open 
and and continue your ops like you know you're you're a bad guy you're adversary you have a two-year window get in and really really own me yeah they're uh they're few and far between and i Mm -hmm. I say that because it's as we progress the you know widen the scope and Mm -hmm. allow all these other venues for attack to happen then it starts getting to the well let me attack the supply chain let me come into your Mm. your third party connections let me come in second party connections let me you know be part of a company that's fully integrated into you um i think i think all of those end up being the widening of the scope and then once you get to the point where the scope is the widest time is your next coefficient like time is the next thing that you have to expand and uh it's very very rare and i can i can say you know i i know yeah. on the back of on the back of two hands how many projects we've ever had that have been multi-year engagements uh how can how can you um, sell a company or decide or not even decide just like pitch a company and and have those struggles building your your business on like going as a boutique and telling companies whoever it is big companies small companies like we need this time window to like experiment and and really try to to penetrate and and get through where these actors are that's what apts do yep yeah i mean it's it's a full-time job and and i think that that's the part where uh there is a unique set of organizations in this world who are world-class and the Mm. world-class organizations don't do pen testing they don't really do red teaming they they have they have universal attack cycles that have feedback loops that are the same bit of refinement as their devops process they have expectations of input and output that happen on real-time basis that that they they expect to be consumed into the organization and if you have three months or six months or eight months of lag time the tracking and what you have to do leading up to that in order for them to properly consume it, institutionalize that knowledge, and then create defensive wisdom through it is, is something that you have to be you know, ready for. And, and that takes a, a whole lot of planning, just like you know, a, a full-time paid APT is going to do. It's not, it's not going to just be, you know, I'm running some scans and I'm, I'm dumping CVEs against something. It's I, I know that eventually this person who messed up once in the past is going to do it again. It's like when the way that I type the and and my fat finger of the is always going to be the same fat finger of mm. the and it's and no matter how much I do it, I'm always going to have that that piece of my cadence that slips and you start looking for those edge pieces and you and you play the watering hole game and you wait for the inevitable to happen and you have to start casting the net to catch that inevitable. So the profiling that exists, you know, a lot of that stuff in the beginning is truly just untangling the big bowl of spaghetti. You know, not every organization is clean up and down structure with a couple people in it. You know, sometimes there's shells inside of shells, there's investments, there's, there's VC firms, there's firms that invest in firms that invest in firms that invest in you and magically at the top, that dude has access or this woman has access or this person has access to something else. And you have to break some of those things down in order to get a full view of, you know, where the hole in the roof might be. And 
And I think the funny part when I hear all these people talk about, you know, solar winds attacking this, and that, and all this other stuff. To me, it's like that attack. There was a there was a hole in the roof, but the water did the damage. So mm. is it the hole's fault or the water's fault? Mm. Now I, I I don't even know if you can answer it, but I think that there's a level of preparedness. If you're if you're in a submarine, you know you're underwater, so you check for holes. And that's might be it might be like a little too rudimentary for some people, but we have to we have to think about being underwater and we have to we have to continue our operations knowing that that's exactly where we're supposed to be. We're we're don't get nervous, be comfortable, settle in, you can breathe, you got it, go go forward, but don't get caught slipping. Yeah. And and I think that that's you know, is is as rudimentarily as I could put it, I think some people got caught slipping by some people who were really prepared for somebody to slip. Now that you're on the other side, I mean, you're not a struggling startup, but you're on the other 14, side 14 and years. Yeah. You're on the, you're on the other side and, and, and I don't want to say you're comfortable, but you've, you've engaged enough with customers that you're okay. You're not mm-hmm. a startup struggling. How do you convince a company to to invest into a situation like like a solar winds? Because now that we know about solar winds, we're yep. we're we're circling back and we're seeing companies that initially stated they weren't hacked, they weren't bypassed, they weren't compromised, and you know as the information continues to come out we're figuring out they were compromised they were bypassed mm-hmm. you know and and how do you convince companies like listen we need a deeper dive yeah we need we I, need to look deeper yeah i think there's there's a couple pieces to that M- much of the the feeling of infosec the feeling of security or the permission to go deeper, I think, has a lot of physical you know, quantification to it. Yeah. You know, when you go when you go to get a massage, you can't let that person put the gorilla hands on you if you haven't had a massage before. Mm-hmm. They just can't do it. it it's it, it's it's bad for your body for them to go that deep. And as you start working deeper, you can start doing deeper work. You can start extracting some mm-hmm. stuff that you couldn't get access to before. You can start moving muscles around to get to tendons, to get to things that you can't just touch on the surface. And I think that some of that comes from trust and that maybe that's trust with your team. Maybe it's trust with your tools. Maybe it's trust with your controls. Maybe it's trust with your organization. Maybe it's trust with your testers. But I think that there's a foundation of trust inside of that you know, coach sparring partner relationship that exists as the ecosystem that if you don't have that foundation, you're not gonna be able to get there. You can't, you can't get to the deep work. What do, what do you recommend? Because through groups, friends, and, and chatter that I'm hearing, a lot of companies that were associated with the 18,000 customers that were affected has stopped looking. They haven't mm-hmm. carpet bombed the place. Right. They haven't, they haven't, they, they gave up because their logs doesn't go back that far. What yeah. do you recommend to people that, that are dealing with that situation? 
I mean, look, I, I think a blind spot is always a blind spot. Uh, I, I think if you accept your blind spots, it, it gives you a little bit of extra time to, to stand in your strong suits. And I think that if, if you start measuring things honestly in your organization and, and whether that is looking at the life cycle of an attacker, whether it's, you know, the entrance, whether it's C2, whether it's all the stuff in between, um, I think I think there's certain pieces of everybody's program, just like everybody's fight game. There's certain there's something that's strong in there, and sit in your strength, and that's 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 what that's what's going to help you specifically. You can't give universal advice to people who have disparate systems. You can't give universal advice to people who implement things different ways. But you can say to someone that you do have strengths, and if you're able to honestly measure yourself across every single piece of the attack chain, every single piece of the cadence and find the part that you're strong at and be honest about it, or just be honest that you're not strong in any of them and make a commitment to get strong at one of them. That's, that's where I think you're going to get your, your biggest benefit because if you're trying to cast just a big old giant wide net, you don't have enough money to bury that problem. You just, you just can't do it. Like you can't stack enough hundred dollar bills at the front door for somebody to not kick it down. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about your company, first of all, I want you to promote. I know I know you have a lot of customers, right? What does Layers provide to their customers besides like the usual, oh, they do red teaming. Okay, what goes into that? Yeah. Um, so the the bad quick story about why the company was Lars was uh, that I took seven years of Latin and I can joke that the only thing that I got out of it was a profound connection to what I wanted to have the company be named. So Eric and I were talking about it and we we're talking about what, what's the moral foundation of the organization. And, and that was the thing that was the most important to us. It wasn't a like pitch deck of how we can make money and sell it for 10 X. It was like, who are we as people and why are we going to go do this together? And we said the, the moral foundation is going to be the only thing that we're, we're prescribing um, for anyone. And we said that, you know, Lara's, which were um, any of your relatives that would forfeit their afterlife in, in Rome and in, in Roman mythology and religion, and they would forfeit the afterlife so that they could look after you. So you would have like a Lara's Vilam, it was a Lara's uh, man, member of your family that would look over your house, make sure your house was all right, make sure your money was all right, make sure the, the kids were all right, the parents were all right. And they'd have these little wood statues they carve out from different family members that they had, and they put them around the house because they knew that their family was looking out for them. And, and that's, and that's what we made the company around. And to this day, um, we've, we've never looked at the size of an organization, the, the, you know, the amount of money that there is or isn't or whatever else it's to us, it's about getting to that level of protection with people. And the way that we knew how to do it, um, was by running them through different pieces of offense. So, you know, we have structured team around hardware, around AppSec, around pen testing, around, you know, full scope red teaming, around coaching, around BC. So, you know, any of those pieces of the game um, that, that we could add some kind of benefit and add some kind of experience for our customers, we wanted to provide them that experience because I, I, I know I said it, way earlier in my career that I would always talk smack about the people who had the, you know, kind of social engineering shirt that said, there's no patch for human stupidity. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and totally false. 
completely and totally false. The patch for anything is experience. And if you can learn from the experience, that's how you patch up. You might not learn from it. It might take you 50 times. I mean, I've burnt my hands. I don't know how many times cooking and I continue to do it. I still don't, you know, always <clears throat> remember that a cast iron pot is hot and I just pick it up and I'm, I, it reminds me over and over again. But I think that for us, it's about providing our customers an experience. It's about being able to get to a level of trust with them. And those are words that don't, that just don't come from the people who are trying to go, I need this multiple so I can exit and get to the next multiple. It, to us, it was about, it was about a commitment that I could make to my mother out loud in Ooh. person saying, this is my job and this is what I do. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, I protect people by helping them fight. Yeah. And she said, I'm proud of you. Can you give me an example of the day in a life of a red teamer in your company? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure they would probably give it different with a whole bunch more color language um, than <laughs> I have learned to do. Uh, usually somewhere in the early AMs of the morning, there are multiple different links of stuff that I've never heard of um, that other people may have heard of, or it's someone who's like just pulling it out, like hot, fresh off the press. Two minutes ago, this thing came out. Mm -hmm. And then depending on what level of awake anyone is, there's a flurry of chatter about things, whether it's new code, whether it's something that we're doing, whether it's the, you know, hey, I need an alley-oop, whoever's up whenever you're up, I need this, this, and this, mm. because I'm in the middle of doing this thing. Um, we, we definitely have a high cadence team environment that everyone is held accountable to be accountable. <laughs> and mm -hmm. at the same time, there's a lot of fellowship between the men and women on our team that talk a lot of shit and they talk a lot of shit. Not, I mean, we, we, we had a great conversation before this about how certain people who are really truly at a high, high, high level of performance can bring you up and you got to look mm. at yourself and you go, I got to be on that level. And it's, and, and they tell you, they look at you and they go, you got to get on this level right now. Like mm. you have all the skills, you have all the capabilities, you have all the permission in the world to be on this level, get on this level and do it. And every morning, someone is is at at that place someone's at that place of like okay we did this we didn't do this or i did this or i'm just willing to go for uh who's got 20 minutes on lunch to come get this mm. you know because because i'm not seeing it and you know i'll give you i'll give you a stripe off of my arm if you can get it <laughs> and and it's just and, and and that's there and i think once once you start to settle into the cadence of the day there's you know there's operations there's planning there's education and then I think there's there's plenty of those pieces of emotion that have to exist where you're riding the roller coaster, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the funny pen testing, like, I suck, I'm really horrible. Oh, wait, I found something like, oh, yeah, I got it. Oh, no, the project's over. You know, like, you that, that exists. Yeah. And, I, and I think that um, those are very emotionally draining things. So just like, uh, you know, a sparring partner or somebody who's a performance athlete who has to perform day in and day out, you know, the, the rest of the team there is not only to egg them on for performance, but also to acknowledge that performance and and bring that back in. And, you know, whether that's having that contact with the customer, whether it's having the contact with your teammates, whether it's, you know, talking smack, putting a jab out or just, you know, like no look, dropping a link into something that, you know, is gangster stuff 
and everybody all you know like the crowd goes wild right like no no one yep. knew that something like that was coming and randomly and you know in in chat is an attachment it, no context at all <laughs> give me a day in the life of chris nickerson from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed uh i have i have made some commitments this year to to really allow my schedule to be open earlier as a way for me to because because my accountability on like getting up i have like great excuses you know oh yeah I'm, i've worked till three in the morning or oh i did this or did that so my first change was was you know opening my meeting book at 6 a.m um did that start january 1st 2021 yes it did okay um, but before that, I I had no windows. Really? It was just I didn't. Uh, and I and I actually found that by having intently specified windows, my schedule was much more productive. Uh, really? Opposed to yeah, yeah, it really was because because I could I could focus all of my attention to something and then I could be on a mental roll consecutively to to participate and continue to participate. It's like, mm. you know, you warm up and then you warm down and then you got to kind of like loosen back up to get into things. And to me, mentally, it was like, if I got up and I struck it at five and I get up, I make my coffee, I row for a little while and I start, I start some meetings and whether that's in headphones or, you know, whether I can, I can do it as, you know, the first meeting. Cause I have, you know, lots of customers that we deal with in Europe. Um, so, you know, we're in the middle of their day. So those people are already like at peak performance. So I have to get up and get right into the game and be able to talk on their level. And I think for me, getting up quick row, something like that, just mm. to, just to like get blood moving and get my, my mind on. You have um, a, you have a row machine. Yeah. I have one of those water oh, rowers. That's what's um, up, man. I've been doing persona that that's a vitamin kind of service. Like I've never been really good at taking vitamins and those types of things, but mm -hmm. I feel like they dialed it in pretty good. I have um, to hook you up. I have to hook you up. I have a hookup. I'm going to okay. hook you I'm up gonna, after this call. You got a wolf skull guy. I have a, a hookup for you. I promise you. Okay. Yeah. First thing in the morning I do Love is it. take vitamins, a cap shot, like a little cap shot of it. And it puts mm -hmm. me where I'm at. At 5.45, I'm at the gym where it's not um, like a gym where they have all these little exercises because in California, everything is closed. Right. And it's not like um, the, what is that, train fit or, or like CrossFit, whatever. CrossFit, whatever. It's yeah. not that. It is something in between both. Cool. Um, but I'm going to hook you up after this offline. I have your number. I'm going to text you. Yeah. Um, and it's a must. I think it's important. I think, you know, like when every single book that I've ever really read of, of high performance humans, you know, they mm -hmm. they take time to nurture their body and, and your body's like, a machine. And dude, until, you, it's, until you do that, you can't, you can't really get everything out of it. And, you know, you might be the smartest person in the world, but if you don't have the fuel – it's hard. It's hard to do it. Like you might be able to grind it out, but it's just real hard. Listen, anyone interested watching this, hit me up on Twitter. I'll hook you up with a link for you to get what it is. I don't want to taint anyone, Love it. but you and me both are avid readers of, of different books. So the last month I've read, uh, a few books. 
So I know I know the books when we last talked about you 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 shared one thing that I've that. read that I absolutely loved in 2021 January is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I would nice. recommend that yes. to everyone yes. out there. Absolutely. I've also read On Writing with Stephen King and uh, the TB12 Method by Tom Brady. It's about being winner, a winner. I don't... Huh. Look, I'm a Giants fan. I do not like Tom Brady, but I do like winning. And I do like winning on that consistent level and pushing myself to another level. And what I would say is... Pick it up, see if you like it. Those are the three books yeah. I have for this month that I've read. What have you oh, read, Chris? I know you're an avid reader like myself. Yeah. Um, I knocked out all of Tools of Titans and read it front to back because I wanted to uh, I, I, I wanted to at least have one look mm-hmm. instead of the index. I wanted to at least have it be in there somewhere. So if it triggered... I could go back to it and use it like a, like I felt like I was reading a dictionary, Mm. honestly. And, Mm. and there's, there's, there's so many illuminating things that you can get from reading a dictionary, but you kind of, you don't, you don't absorb all because it's just too much information. Yeah. Um, But, but I've continued to go back to it and started like, you know, making notes in it and highlighting things and going like, Oh, that's, that's present for me. And, and feeling like I know where to go back and look it up. I don't know. I might not know the information yet, but I have like a good index of where to find it. And then mm-hmm. I go back and I'm like, oh, it's, it's somewhere in here. And that's been really, really cool. Um, Switching. I, let me take a step yeah. back. How do you take notes? Because these things, like I'm doing this uh, uh, this interview. And, and for me, yep. like I'm providing value to others. But what people don't know is I'm providing value to myself. So I ask questions like, how do you take notes? What do you do? Right? I like Kindle notes and I, I like paper. Mm. Um, I feel there's, there's probably a kinetic thing about paper that I think my mind remembers the action of writing more than it remembers the content that I wrote. And then I, I start to like replay the video and I think about that moment of writing and it kind of like sparks what I'm reading, maybe like third person in some way. Um, so b- both of those to me, Do I, you... I feel like are important. It's hard okay. when I'm in the car listening to audiobooks, um, but I'll, but I'll tend to like on my phone, I have like a Google notes and it's literally the name of the book. And then the time that I saw it on the stereo, of like, I... go revisit this yeah. in no context, just like, so, so, so this is the first time in, in the series one of Hack Chat. I'm, I'm going to go into some of my notes, right? Um, one of the things that I love using on Apple products is Note Shelf, right? Mm-hmm. That is the go-to note-taking app that I take, right? The other thing is there's this thing called Air Notes. Um, it is a I R R where you're listening to podcasts and you could highlight and take notes if they have their transcriptions up. And I like most of the podcasts do have it because it's like, if you take this and you push it over there, 
you can transcribe it, but like air R R with two R's at the end, you could take notes and, and, and notes is really important where you get to store it and revisit it. Most people take it, leave it on the side. But for me, for me to like recall it and then use it over and over and over again, it doesn't matter if it's a book of its YouTube or whatever the case is, it's, it's taking those notes and, and re implementing them into your recall. So then you can pull them out. But what I would say is, is for everyone listening, I would definitely say ARR note show for iPad. If you, if you're taking notes, I, I take a lot of courses during the year. I read a lot. And I know, Chris, you read a lot. I, I try. I, I think um, it gives you alternative perspectives that you might not have yourself. I, I this year also uh, read "Think Like a Monk" by Jay Shetty um, as as a, a recommendation from Chris Gates. Yeah. Um, who you know he's he's one of my spirit animals. I agree. Um, I read that in two ni- uh, 2019, and I would. For me, again, this is my perspective only. Yeah. I would recommend Mentor Box, where if you don't yeah. want to pick the books and you don't want to search, they deliver two to three books a month to you that you yeah. should read with the summary. So for me, I, I've been a part of that, and that was one of their recommendations in 2019. And I try my best to read two to three books a month. Mm-hmm. And that's how, how I stay up to par, but I agree. I love that book. Yeah, There's- you know, I, the, my biggest, the, and, and I, I'm sure this is so like non woke of me or, or whatever, given yeah. all the knowledge that's in the book. Um, one of the things that stood out because Amanda and I both read it and, and we just kept kind of like repeating it as our mantra um, was a story in the book uh, and and he, he talks about this complicated situation that gets more and more complicated. And every time you do something, the alternative action that happens and the universe kind of course correcting is something that you didn't mm-hmm. plan. And you just keep like in this like universal struggle. And um, the, the wisdom that came out of that one story was good, bad. I don't know. Oh, and we started saying that to each other and it's really, really interesting implementing that thing, not only in our life as marriage, but our life as work as once you start digging down the path of making the assumption of what something is applying good, bad, I don't know, starts to turn everything on its head, right? Like you, you, you're not allowed to say that it's good or bad. You you, kind of have to, see if you could exist and I don't know. And, and yeah. are you, are you at a point where you're willing to accept not knowing and, and sometimes the freedom of not knowing a- allows you to, to come to some conclusion that you are going to jump to otherwise um, that, that may be completely, you know, not, not the right way to look at it. Yeah. And I Which think is to me, solar winds, good, bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be good for us. Yeah. It might be, I mean, it's bad, but it might be good. Yeah, so you I might you might learn a lot of lessons and and this will pass. I mean, I think 
2021, you're going to see for the first Q1, Q2, a lot of things that come out if they want to share, right? right. I mean, Sunspot shared some stuff. SolarWinds posted some stuff with that. But there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I don't know if it's going to be released or whatever the case is. But going on to um, Living Like a Monk, I would recommend it's a unwavering focus course by Dandapani. Mm-hmm. You can you can buy it, I, I, I think, for cheap. But it's how to focus, right? One of the things that I love, that I try to hack all the time is my focus. What's important, what to do, and everything like that. And I found this course very important to me which is like i said down the pony if you watch some of his videos on youtube you will understand but i i enjoyed it i would recommend it and you know if if you want to read the book that chris nickerson recommended i read it i loved it but also follow that book up with uh down the pony's app and and his course and i think it's it's a good look and it's all about for me with this with what what i'm doing is taking someone to that next level either if you're starting off or if you're super advanced like yourself you're going to get value from this That's and and this is why i wanted to do this i love it and i love to to extract that information where people do not have the opportunity to speak to you, but I'm sure if they DM you, you you'll reply back with some all sort day, of value day. all day, just like you did I, for me. I, every time I text you, there's there's value both ways, man. And both ways, you know. You know, I I, I can I can say the 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 last one that has grabbed me again this year that I've read a couple times is uh is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Oh. And that's a Tim Ferriss favorite. I mean, dude, you got to in times like this. Yeah. You have to be able to look at early pieces of stoicism and and find like wisdom in silence, you know, like it's mm. there's so much knowledge that exists in some of the stuff that was contemplated then and you got to think this stuff is being contemplated like on the battlefield with swords dude like that's a that's a way heavy that's so it's so outside of the realm of what any of us do right now so let let me give you the mindset pre-covid right i was like all about like i'm from i was born and raised in new york city where your bravado and your swagger just conquers everything right after covid happened june july like i mean it happened in february but june july things changed and i changed right i i i literally have a uniform i bought 30 v-nex polo Polo. right i went yeah polo And I went with like 20 bottoms of Lulumans because I went with com- comfort, right? Yeah. We're, we're right now, we're almost a year deep into lockdown, especially sure. I'm in California. Like, what is comfort to you? 
Because comfort is not going out anymore. It's no more Gucci, no more Burberry, no more all of these high brands and what you've done and fancy restaurants and and what you've raised on. It's about you're in your house, stoicism, (laughs) comfort to the next level. I had, dude, I had the black t-shirt shootout. um, Fabric. in in, In November. Yeah, I I got I just got so angry about all of my stuff, and I was like, "That's it. I'm I'm figuring out what I like." So I had I had this one, uh, two Arcteric shirts that I've, I just I've worn to death, mm-hmm. and and they're my my favorite black T-shirt ever. Right, it's a little pockets, black on black, just yeah, good fabric, breathes, um, and they stopped making it, and so it just like crushed me that I couldn't just go buy like ten of them. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, I gotta, I gotta find a replacement for this. Mm-hmm. So I bought 20 different types of black T-shirts, um, and, and they all had completely different, horrible everything. Nothing was like the one, right? And then um, there's a site called Huckberry, I think, and the brand is called Proof, and it's a merino wool black T-shirt. And I was like, that's it. I locked it up. I put it on once, and I was like, done. That's it. Don't need anything else. So I Once. bought them up and I like threw, I, I literally, I, I brought everything else. Yo, I, there's a, on 6th Street, there is a Goodwill. I went and brought everything to it. I was like, really? Okay, I don't want to, yeah. yeah, I'm done. I was like, I'm, I'm good for right now. I don't have to, like, I can wear it right here. I'm good. I went, I went the opposite where <laughs> I wrapped up most of my clothes and, and donated it. I think, uh, June, July. Yeah. I was just like, I'm done with these clothes. I'm not going to wear it. Um, I, I have a uniform that I don't give a shit what's going on in the world. I like these are the comfort clothes and, and this is what it is. And and I think we're going to live through that most of 2021. But that's just me. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. My opinion. But Chris, thank you. I mean, always, it's always it's always a pleasure. It's have you share wisdom with me, brother? It's so nice. It's vice versa. It. It's vice versa. And you know, the times that we spend, it's you know, other people that see this and and build that relationship will will understand what it is to be friends with you, to break bread with you, to understand you and and to know you for for I can't even remember when the first time I met you, but it's over oh, 10 no. years. It's over 10 yeah. years. And, and and the value you provide with with love is, is special. And I thank you, and I appreciate you, Chris. Thank Any you. last words for the viewers? Honestly, um, I think you said it. Uh, there's a lot of society rules right now. Uh, mm. about feelings mm-hmm. and I think um, I think we need to start figuring out how to bring love back into everything we do and that mm. means at work that, mm. that means that that's that's not just pride it's not just execution it's not just talent it's just not smarts and wit it's it's bringing love into the workplace bringing love into what you do and how you do it and by by putting that feeling out there, if you can give people to give that permission to, to get that feeling back and, and allow that kind of human magic to happen, uh, people are starving, man. People are starving to be touched. They're starving to high five somebody. That's why 
that's physically why you go like this on a Zoom call because you just, you want to feel that connection. And I think it's time that we give ourselves permission to bring like love and respect and pride back into work. That's positive. Any last words? Thank you so much for taking your time and being on this uh, hack chat, man. Thank you, I love you, it. Marco. Thank you. Any any last words to the viewers out there? Oh man, it's just you got it. Ah. You got it. You got this. There's there's nothing that's gonna stop you but you. That's right. I mean, the last words I would say is go full tilt. Yes, take the chains off, take the limitations off. This is all you. And, you know, this last year that we've been in lockdown, take yourself to another level. No one is going to love you like you love yourself. Love yourself. No pity. Go full tilt and go hard. This is hack chat. This is what we do. Chris, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You mean so much to me. And I can't wait until I get my shots so I can fly and go stay with you for a weekend, man. And hang out with you and your wife. And I take my significant other over there. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. I greatly appreciate it. And you take care. Guys, until next time, have a good one.